You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. So if, the, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure. May the Lord help us to understand and apply his word this morning. You can be seated. Most of you guys know, um, because I talk about him all the time, all of my kids, but my son, Niall, who is, uh, who is autistic. And uh, one of the, this is not a story about Niall, which I have lots of good Niall stories. You guys have heard some of those. But um, the other day I was on uh, this, this board, this online board that I'm on, this autism parents thing. You just read, it's encouragement, mutual encouragement of families who have a child with autism. So I'm reading this, and there was one who was like um, trying to encourage others who they like just found out their their child could be autistic and they kind of get gripped with this kind of fear this kind of like oh my oh no what does that mean kind of feeling and so as a way of encouragement this person made this post and it said um the way i look at it is that you know god won't i know that god won't give me more than i can handle and god gives his toughest challenges to his strongest warriors and as a way to try and encourage others and as i, I was reading that we'll talk about that uh, a little bit more this morning but I was thinking about life's challenges. Check. Life's challenges. I uh, know. <laughs> I don't. I will, but I don't want to. Um, if you want me to, I will. All right, bring me a handheld. You want to bring me one or just grab one? Okay. Take all the reverb out. All right. Okay, so I was... Uh, uh, reading this comment and, and, and you know it was like you know God won't give me more than I can handle he gives his toughest challenges biggest challenges to the strongest warrior so I was thinking what are some of life's biggest challenges what are some of the biggest challenges that we face in life yes sir loss of a job, loss of a job. okay that's definitely a big challenge what else having a child, having a child? yes and it doesn't just have to, you know, have to do with something like autism. Just having a child is one of life's biggest challenges. What else? Moving to a new place. Moving to a new place. Absolutely. What else? Other of life's biggest challenges. Yes. Losing a spouse. Passing away. You can include, you know, other ways you could lose a loved one. Divorce. Um, all kinds of things in life or big challenges right life has some big challenges for us so before I continue is this working or should I go back to the other mic because <laughs> okay okay use my man voice use the daddy voice y'all don't want me using a daddy voice up in here okay biggest challenges right so we got some this morning with the the technology obviously 
And um, we've had some of these on and off for two years, but usually it's, we've got it covered during rehearsal, so obviously there's something different today. So you can tell the devil to shut up. We're going to go for it anyway. So we're wrapping up this series today we've been in um, for the last month called Mythbusted. And the idea is there are these phrases or cliches that we've heard that turns out they're kind of a myth because we hear something like, well, you know, the Bible says, or, the, you know, the Lord says. And so it's something like we'll hear, the Bible says God won't give you more than you can handle. We hear those kind of things. And what we find out is that these things, it's not actually in Scripture. Like that phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, is not actually in the Bible. So the problem with it is, even if it's a good saying, even if it's something that's true, if it's not, if you claim it's something God said or something the Word of God says, but it doesn't, it leads to really bad theology. And something like this other phrase that I read on the, on the, the parenting board I was talking about, God gives his biggest challenges to his strongest warriors, sounds good. It's a way of encouraging someone else. It's a way of encouraging yourself to be strong and stay strong, but it's actually really bad theology. And we're going to talk this morning about what that is and why that's important. Because the, the thing about this is knowing God and knowing his word is the cure for bad theology. And theology is this big word. I know it's a churchy word. We meet in a movie theater, so we may not be familiar. Theology just means our understanding of God, like our, what we believe about God, what we understand about God. That's the simple ver uh, definition for theology. And we want to get that right, don't we? I mean, if there's anything we probably should want to get right in this life and in this world is our understanding, our beliefs about God. So today we're looking at this phrase specifically, God won't give you more than you can handle, and comparing it to this passage of scripture that is misquoted from. This is what Lexi read for us this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. It's this passage of scripture where that, that phrase just kind of seems like it, it kind of slipped out of there somewhere. And so we'll get to that. But here's the big idea. This is our foundation. That we'll, well, the, the, the word of God was the foundation. This is kind of that building step to take us to what else we'll do this morning. We'll built on this. God provides everything you need to face, any temptation and every trial. That's our big idea. God provides everything you need to face, every temptation and every trial. So let's talk about this temptation for just a minute, because that's what the Scripture is about. The Scripture is about temptation. Temptation is part of the human condition. It's a part of what it means to be human, to be tempted, to face temptation. And um, I was just, just kind of randomly looking through some, some things on the Internet, and I, I came across this video about temptation that a church uh, out of Tulsa, I think, called uh, Celebration Church made this video. It's like a minute and 30 seconds about resisting temptation. And I thought, that's so good. i got to show the crew at Awaken this. So watch the screen for the next few minutes. This is a video from a Celebration Church.
No, I got to say, that was, that was really funny. Really struck me. Like, they did a good job of like, saying a good reason to resist temptation is you don't know what actually is going to happen if you give in to those temptations. So here's a question. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. Don't, and, we, and again, if you're a lot of first-timers here this morning, which is cool, but a lot of, we, we talk back a lot of times. And so if I ask you a question you don't feel comfortable answering, don't have to answer. But, but what are some temptations that we face today? And you don't have to like say, I really struggle with porn. But, but I'm just going to be honest, that's where a lot of us are, guys. I mean, we don't want to, we come to church, we're not going to say it out loud, but, but that's probably one of the biggest temptations we face today. And I used to, it used to be until about five years ago, and I was doing this pastoring thing, and I would say, it's one of the biggest temptations us guys face. But I found out in the last five years by doing more and more of understanding what it is, it's something everybody's facing right now, male or female. Or if you identify as something else, you're struggling probably with porn on some level. So, so I'll just get that one out of the way. Nobody has to say porn. What are some other things that we get tempted by? <laughs> Drugs. What else? Greed. Greed. Yeah, that's a good one. Telling a little white lie. Okay, just telling a little white lie. Okay. Yeah, we get tempted to just, it's, it's okay because it's just a little white lie, right? Anything else? Gossip? Yeah. Yeah, we get tempted to gossip. Anger. Anger. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, anger is natural and normal and comes up, and it's sometimes the temptation to what you do with that anger, right? Yeah. Yeah, we face a lot of these things. Um, We may even, you know, a lot of college students are part of Awaken. Some of y'all hopefully woke up and are watching online, even though you didn't come in this morning, uh, uh, watching the Facebook feed. And and maybe you have a temptation to cheat or maybe not even cheat, but cut corners when it comes to writing papers and getting the stuff done. You're not cheating, but you're trying to cut some corners here or there. Maybe that's a temptation, a real temptation that some of us face here this morning. Jealousy and envy. envy. We get tempted to, to, to be envious and be full of jealousy. Absolutely. So as we, it helps us to get the backstory a little bit to get context on this passage in 1 Corinthians that we read this morning. So, so I want to back up just the beginning of, of, uh, of chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians and just read a little bit of what he's kind of leading up to this part that Lexi read for us this morning. We'll, we'll read that part again and, and, and get deeper into it. But 1 Corinthians 10, 1, he says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about your ancestors in the wilderness long ago. Now, these are Jewish followers. Their, their ancestors long ago were the Israelites that God, through Moses, delivered out of Egypt. And they went on that big trek across the wilderness, right, the Red Sea. This is what he's talking about. Your ancestors in the wilderness long ago, all of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them walked through the sea on dry land. Now, if you've never read the Exodus story, I would encourage you to get a Bible or get the app, the Bible app, and read Exodus in the Old Testament. You'll read this story. It's fascinating. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses, and all of them are the same, ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with the most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did, or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality, as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. So that's the backstory. And then he gets to verse 13, where we read this morning, the temptations you face in your life are no different from what others experience. He's saying, 
Everything that you're tempted by, all the, the, the temptation to worship other gods, the temptation to have idols in your life, the temptation to serve yourself, the temptation to sexual temptations he specifically mentions. He's like, you're, you, this is part of the human condition. You're not the first ones to do this. In fact, it's been the case, always been the case, because temptation to go your own way instead of God's way is a part of the human condition. It's all the way back to the very beginning, the genesis of the story, the temptation is Adam and Eve go your own way instead of God's way so there's encouragement here though the encouragement in this is you're not the only one who struggles that's what I love that he's, he's really trying to bring out to the people in Corinth where first Corinthians is written to he's like you're not the only one who struggles I want you to be encouraged here others have been and others are tempted by the same exact things you're tempted by some of them gave into the temptation but you know what there's so many others that did not Give in to the temptation. And you have the same kind of strength in you if, you, if you have Christ, to resist that temptation yourself. You are just as able to resist it as they were if you will stand in that strength of Christ. So when we're tempted, you're normal, okay? You're normal if you face temptation. You're not a horrible person because you're tempted. Being tempted is not a sin. The sin starts when we dwell on that temptation. That's where it starts. It starts there. When we set our hearts on it, it's, a heart, it's, it's part of the human condition, and we set our hearts on things, and you're given into the temptation in your heart, and eventually what happens is you give into that temptation completely because once you've got your heart, you just you can't let go of it. It's one of those things like, I don't know why I keep coming back to this. It's because it's, it's got a hold of our heart, and we've allowed that to happen. So where does this temptation come from? The first thing we want to say, right, is, is the devil, Satan. Satan is, that's the first place we want to go. And it's true Satan is, is a tempter. The New Testament of the, of the Bible definitely draws this picture of the Satan. Uh, the word, the name, it's actually a title, the accuser. The accuser, Satan, actually is drawn to be a tempter. And in Luke chapter 4, which is a story about Jesus, Jesus goes in the desert for 40 days to fast. And fasting means going without food. I've, I've fasted all kinds of things. Um, but I've never gone without food for 40 days. The longest I've done a, a without food fast is five days. I've done that once. I've done three days a few times. I've fasted one day without food a bunch of times. That's like my normal go-to fast, 24 hours. It's good. I can do that one. I need God's strength to do three days, definitely for five days. Jesus said he's going to do it for 40 days. So he's out here in the wilderness, and he's fasting for 40 days. And Satan comes to him, and he tempts them. In every kind of way, he tempts all of us. Different, different specifics, but in the same kind of way. And, and, and as he tempted Jesus, what we see is that Satan only draws on the temptations already in our heart. Satan only draws from the temptations already in our heart. If the temptation to steal is not there in your heart, Satan's not going to like, like put that in front of you. It's going to be something else. He knows we are, by the way God created us, sexual beings. That's why the temptations as tied to porn and all the other kind of sexual things are so prevalent. The scripture talks about it over and over and over again. And we can't ignore it in our culture, especially in church culture, because it's there. Well, your temptation doesn't come from God. He's not testing you. A lot of times we'll think, well, God's testing me right now. Whew, I'm really tempted. God's testing me. It doesn't come from God. We saw the scripture up on the screen when the video ended about the temptation doesn't come from God. The temptations come from Satan playing on your human conditions, where they come from. And that James verse, James 1.14 says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. 
These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. That's, that's where we forget to keep going with this. But, well, temptation leads to sin, and we're all sinners and sin every day, so, uh, you know, I'll just ask for forgiveness. We forget to keep reading James. James says, no, it just it leads to death. Jesus came to give us life. He wants us to be free from this, from this death. You're not, what it's really saying is, is that, you know, God is faithful. God is faithful. If we say God won't give us more than I, that I can handle, okay, I get it. That phrase isn't in the Bible, but what it's trying to say is God is faithful. That's the truth. God is faithful. He will not allow temptation to be more than you can stand. He will show you a way out. He won't let the temptation be more than you can stand. You're not doomed to give in to temptation. You're not doomed to sin. You're not. We're not. When it comes to giving in to temptation, when it comes to sin, you don't have to. God is faithful. God is faithful. So God provides everything you need to face any temptation that comes your way. Temptations don't, don't come from God. They come from within our, our own heart, which leads us to this next question, which is probably the question. What is your heart condition? What is your heart condition? I got challenged on my heart condition a few years ago when I first discovered Lent. Now, I know in this area, everybody's probably heard of Lent. You've practiced Lent and done Lent. It's a very common in a culture uh, like, like Natchitoches and, and Louisiana, especially in South Louisiana. But where I grew up in the tradition I grew up in, we never, I never even heard of Lent, and I'm a preacher's kid. We didn't, we did, you know, we got to Palm Sunday. We did Easter. We did the Passion Week. We did Holy Week. We did all that Thir- Monday, Thursday, feet washing, all kinds of stuff tied to the Easter week, but never Lent. I never even heard of that. And then a few years ago, I was like in conversations with different people, different denominations, different pastors, different friends, and I heard about Lent, so I did a deep study on it and began to like, okay, I'm going to practice this for myself because I've never done this. And this is part of Christian tradition for 2,000 years or so. So I, I, it's basically, if you don't know either, if you're like me, it's, it's basically a season of giving up something for a season of 40 days leading up to Easter so that you can take that time and focus on something else. So you can give up something and add something. Give up something carnal or of the flesh and add something spiritual. That's kind of the idea. That's the, that's the person who didn't grow up with Lent's version. That's, that's what it's like. So I was like, what am I going to give up for Lent? And I already made some. So, and it, most people are giving up cigarettes. I don't smoke. Most people are giving up drinking alcohol for Lent. I quit drinking alcohol 20 years ago. Okay, I can't give that up. And I was, and I was asking people, what kind of things did, should you give up? Well, a lot of people give up eating meat. I was like, <laughs> that's a funny one right there, Quentin. That's a funny one right there. Because Quentin, Quentin's a vegetarian. I said, I'm going to become vegetarian too. I'm only going to eat animals that eat vegetables. Let that think about it. You'll get it. So, so I was like, what, what else is there? It's like chocolate. Well, I only eat chocolate on Sundays, and Sunday's the free day, so that's not really even a sacrifice. I could do chocolate, and it would be easy because I was I know, eating sweets through the week just on Sunday. And then it hit me. There's one thing that I absolutely, if I was being honest, was addicted to. I had an addiction to Doritos, like chips. And some people, you'll laugh, people laugh about that and stuff. But I really had to like, do a deep inventory of my life. And I had this, I really like did a self-check. If there are Doritos in the cabinet, in the pantry, I got to eat them. And I realized something. Every day, whether it was with a meal or for a snack or both, I would have chips, especially Doritos or tortilla chips. That's why Mexican restaurants, and you sit down, they put the bowl out there. So I was like, okay, I will give up chips for Lent. I will give up all chips for Lent. 
And I was like, you know, the people that was kind of mentoring me, they were like, that's a great, that's a great one for you, man, because you're just, you're, you're come face to face with something that you feel like maybe could be like a real addiction for you. It was, it was hard. But the very next day after Lent started, I had a group of, of older folks in the church. I was a pastor of a church in Arkansas, and the, this older folks group met every, every Thursday, I think, for lunch. And they called and said, Pastor, we're meeting for lunch at, and it was the name of a Mexican restaurant. And we want you to come, because they always invite the pastor to come have lunch with the, you know, and so you go and you have lunch. And I didn't even think about it. I mean, I'm like, okay, I'm two days into Lent. I'm good. I'm giving up chips. I didn't eat any chips yesterday. I'm good. <laughs> sit down at the table. They put the chips right in front of me. And I'm like, I didn't even think about this. And I'm sitting there looking at these chips. And everybody else is eating chips and salsa. Come on, Pastor. How? I'm like, I'm just going to wait for my, what did I, my food just getting, not even has tortillas with it now. And I was kind of like sad. And usually I'm the happiest ever when I'm in a Mexican restaurant. But I learned a <laughs> trick, though. You can take one chip. You can eat salsa all day with just one chip. Mm-hmm. Ah, ah, salsa's good stuff. So it was like, I came, had to come face to face with this thing. Like, I've been believing this lie. Like, that's what I really learned through that first season I ever, I ever went, experienced Lent for myself. I had been believing a lie about myself. If there are chips in this pantry, I have to eat them. If they set a bowl of, of tortilla chips in front of me, I have to eat them. And I believed that lie so much that it was really hard to get through that season. The question is, are there any lies about yourself that you've been believing? Because there's all kinds of lies. I was talking to somebody this week who's a college student, two weeks in and already just ready to throw in the towel and just like, ah, oh, and I'm like, you're be- and, 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 and they began to tell me what they were feeling and what they were believing about themselves. And I'm like, but don't you know this is a lie, and this is a lie, and this is a lie. It's not true. Verse 12 says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. It's like, it's th- that's where it's at. It's like, I feel like I got this. I, I'm feeling strong. It's a heart condition where we think we're strong enough to resist the temptation in our own strength. So we get closer and closer to the line. You guys know the line, right? Here's the line, because the line is, if you, step, if you cross the line, that's what? Sin, right? So we all, all say, okay, I know that. There's a line. If you cross that line, it's sin. So I'm just going to stand right here by the line. That's where we want to hang out. And Jesus is saying, come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. You know, I'm good, Jesus. I will be, I will, I will trust you from over here. I'll stay by the line. He said, no, follow me means you move. You take steps in your faith. And you're like, okay, I'll walk the line. <laughs> like Johnny Cash, right? I'll walk the line. I'll walk the line. <clears throat> and Jesus is like, I want you to come follow me. Because we get to like, how close to the edge? How, how close can I get to it without sinning? Right? Well, how clo- how, like, what can I look at before it crosses the line of sin on my phone or on my laptop? What, how many of those little white lies can I tell before it actually turns into a different color lie? A bright red lie. Wait, where, where's the line? And that says a lot about the condition of our heart. That's a lot about our condition of our heart. If Jesus has our heart, he said, come follow me. And we're like, man, I don't want over there by the line anymore. This verse from Corinthians says, be careful not to fall. Because it's exactly what you're in danger of doing when you walk the line. Because you're, you're getting close to the edge. You're living on the edge. And when you're living on the edge, the thing is, you're going to fall. As I've, I've learned, as, you, as I become, as you become more like Jesus, you want to stay further away from the, the line of sin. 
It's a process. It doesn't just happen like, like that for most people. Sometimes it does. But, I mean, there's some things that I've, I've had in my life that are, I would call vices. And I was able to like, walk away and not even tempted by it anymore. Lots of things. But there's still some things constantly. I'm thinking, I, I can still see the line. I'm with Jesus. I'm over here with Jesus. But I can still see the line. And that line has a pull to it. And as I become more like Jesus, the further from that line I want, to, I want to get. I want to get further away from it. So there's enough temptations, guys, without walking the tightrope of temptation uh, of, of sin. There's enough temptations without walking that tightrope. And Jesus is over here saying, come follow me. I ain't walking by that line because I know what happens when you get close to that line. I want you to walk with me over here away from that line. Let's walk away from it. So remember, God is faithful. He will show you a way out so that you can endure it. God will show you a way out. The question is, do you want a way out? That's the question. That's it. And you're going to say, yeah, of course I want a way out. But in your heart, it's a heart condition, remember. In our head, my, I mean, I'm talking about somebody, I'm preaching to myself, you guys. In my head, I'm all the time saying, of course I want to, I, I want to be different. Of course I don't want to do that anymore. But until... I want to be different in my heart. Until I want to follow Jesus' way in my heart, until I want to be further away from that line in my heart, I'm going to keep going back to it. Is it Doritos for you? Or maybe it's chocolate? I mean, that's, that's one. Definitely, you can get addicted to chocolate. Is it gossip? Or is it, or is it something like drugs? Even ones that are now considered okay because they're legal in certain places. Or is it alcohol? I mean, to the point of being drunk. Is that a temptation for you? Is it porn? Is it sex with someone you're not married to? Whatever the temptation is for you, God will show you a way out. That's what he wants us to know. He will show us a path that leads away from the line. The question is, do you want to follow God or do you want to follow your own desires? What's your heart condition? So the writer of Corinthians wants to remind us that Others have faced these temptations. Again, he says they, they've done it. And some are standing strong in God's strength. Others failing, falling into sin. The point is, learn from the example of others. Learn from their example. You don't have to make the same mistakes they did. I look at it like this. A smart person learns from their own mistakes. But a wise person learns from the mistakes of others. So you can be smart. I want to be smart and learn from the mistakes of others. But also, it's good, I'm learning as I get older, it's good to be wise and learn from the mistakes that, that others have made. God wants, you, uh, wants to take the mistakes I've made and use them to make me smart enough to not make them again. But also, God wants to take those mistakes I've made and that you've seen or, or heard about and make you wise enough to never make them in the first place. So God will not allow you to be tempted more than you can stand. And when you... When people use this phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, they're not talking about temptation, though, right? That's why this, this, uh, that phrase is taken out of context so much. The, the phrase is all about temptation. When, when you hear that, God won't give you more than you can handle, God won't give me more than I can handle, more than I can bear, that's not talking about temptation, is it? Most of the time we use that phrase, it's talking about a trial, a, a storm we're going through, a struggle of life that something's thrown at us. So, so this misquote can definitely lead to some bad theology, but the truth is God provides everything we need to face any temptation and every trial. It is true God will help us through every trial, even though that's not what this, this passage is about. God is faithful through every hard condition. 
that's kind of the last thing I want to talk about a few minutes and share. God is faithful through every hard condition. When I read or hear, God won't give you more than you can handle, I immediately go to the Bible. I think about Abraham. Abraham, God said, come away from your family, everything you know. Leave your homeland. Leave, your, leave the, the place where you're going to grow up. You're going to be in charge. Leave that. You're not going to inherit that. I'm going to take you to a place. You come follow, go with me. And then he said, to a land I will show you. In other words, I'm not even going to tell you where you're going, Abraham. <laughs> I will show you. Like when you get there, I'll be like, okay, you're here. You've arrived here. And, and, this, and every step of the way, it was difficult. It was almost impossible, some of the things that Abraham faced. And Abraham faced some of them with grace, and a lot of them he faced, he just blew it. And he went, but he went forward there. God gave him more than he could handle. And Abraham trusted God. And then I think about Moses. God sent Moses to Egypt and to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. And Moses was wanted for murder in Egypt. And, and Moses wasn't a leader. And he couldn't even speak in front of people. If you remember that story about Moses, I can't even speak when God was telling him. God sent his brother to go speak for him, go, go with him to speak with him. He said, I can't even speak in front of people. The Egyptians are too powerful for him, and his own people don't trust him. Read the story when he gets there in Exodus. They don't, they don't trust him at all. God gave him more than he could handle. But Moses trusted God. And there's this story stuck in there in the Judges called about Gideon. And Gideon's this guy who was, was not a leader at all. He even, when he was called a leader, he's like, I'm not a leader. I'm the least important person in the least important family and the least important tribe in this whole place. And yet he, God raised him up to lead an army. He had a few thousand to go against the Philistine army of 250,000 soldiers. And God said, you got too many soldiers. So he did a little process of elimination and sent home everybody but 300 soldiers to face 250,000. God gave Gideon more than he could handle. But Gideon trusted God. So what do you need to trust God's strength for? God wants us to trust Him. And that's His, that's his desire. He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to find our strength in Him. But I don't believe God dumps heavy burdens on us just to get us to trust Him. I believe, well, not always. I think there, there may be some times when God needs to do something like that, but not always. It's just part of life. God gives us life, and with life comes ups and downs, burdens. With life comes burdens. And then we'll say, you know, well, everything happens for a reason. Also, not in the Bible. Everything happens for a reason. Maybe God is doing something Maybe in that season he's doing something. But maybe the reason is somebody else did something. Or maybe the reason is you did something. Maybe it was something really dumb. That's Everything does happen for a reason, absolutely. Maybe it's because you or somebody else made a decision. But this, but this is life. And God gives us life. And he wants us to have abundant life. Abundant, meaning full, to the full. And all that. We want just the good parts of that. But also there's the, the burdens of that. God wants to give you the strength to make it through. He said, here's life. I want to give you the strength to make it through so that no matter what you're facing, you can have joy and you won't lose your hope. And you can have a peace no matter what it is. It will hurt. When I think of Jesus, I can't handle this, God. It's more than I can bear. Let this cup pass from me as he's in the garden of Gethsemane. And God says, 
I'll give you my strength. You are my son. And Jesus trusted God. Trusted the Father. In Philippians, it's another letter that's like Corinthians. Paul, this guy who wrote this in the Bible, uh, he says that he knows what it's like to have plenty, and he knows what it's like to have nothing. And he says, I've had a full stomach, and I've had an empty stomach, and, and I've learned the secret in living in every situation. In Philippians 4.13, he says, here's the secret I've learned of every situation, whether, whether I've got everything or whether I've got nothing, whether I'm in jail or whether I'm you know, preaching in front of crowds. I can do anything. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do it through Christ, through his strength. I think the heart behind this myth, God won't give you more than you can handle, it's a good heart. I mean, the heart behind it is trust God's plan. Trust God. Trust him. Trust his plan. We definitely want to trust God's plan. We don't want the distorted view of God to go with it in the process, but we want to trust God's plan. You can handle anything life throws at you, but only in the strength that Jesus gives you. God doesn't give us what we can handle. God helps us handle what we're given. And I am so thankful for that. God provides everything you need to face any temptation and every trial. One of the things we like to do at Awaken is before we, before we leave, is we like to suggest, like, what's some, what is the next step? Or at least ask you to think about it. Like, what's the next step for you? What is the next step here? There's this, this word called confession. It literally means to agree with God. And for me, maybe the next step is just to confess, I need God's strength to face a, a certain temptation. You don't have to come confess that to me or a, as any other pastor or leader. You can, and we'll pray with you. And it can totally be completely confidential. Absolutely, you can do that. But it's God who gives you the strength. Not a pastor, not a priest, but God gives you the strength. You can confess to God the strength you need, uh, to, his strength to face any temptation. Or maybe it's a trial. Maybe that confession needs, maybe your next step needs to be, I'm facing a trial or I'm in the middle of a trial. I'm in the middle of a storm or it's just a rough patch or this semester is already starting to kick my tail. And maybe that confession is, I need to actually talk to God about this and not just be like, you know what? I'm going I'm to get it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all right. I got this. Maybe it's in God's strength that you'll get this. So confess you need God's strength to face your trial. Let's pray. Lord, Show us our next step. You've, you've encouraged us. You've, you've challenged us. Um, but I thank you that, you're, that this, this word, this letter that's in the, in the scriptures comes to us from, from 2,000 years ago or so and absolutely speaks timely into our lives, Lord, that we face temptations. And they're the same temptations that people have always faced to go our way instead of your way. And Lord, we just ask that you would help us to give us strength to face these temptations. And, and all around the room and those watching online and that have joined us, Lord, I just pray that, that they would be in, in their own way, Lord, speaking to you right now and, and, and telling you, Lord, what you already know. You know those temptations. It's no, it's no shock to you. Even that the craziest, most thing that maybe we have in the back of our mind that we hope nobody ever knows we're tempted by. Lord, you already know that. You've already forgiven that. Lord, you want us to walk in that. You want us to accept the fact that you love us. So we'll come to you and, and confess that to you completely, Lord. So we can walk in the forgiveness you have for us. And Lord, we also face trials. And while this passage of Scripture doesn't talk about the trials, so many do. We thank you, Lord, that you, you, you create us to live life. And this life is full of trials and it has burdens that come with it. But you are so faithful. Lord, strengthen us so that we cannot lose hope. 
Strengthen us so we can keep that joy. Strengthen us, Lord, so we can have peace. Not just to have it, to hold it, Lord, to share it, to show it. That our community would know, that Natchitoches would know, that, that this area would know because of the lives of some people who trust God in the name of Jesus, that they cannot lose hope as well. Thank you, Lord, that there is hope in you. Let me walk in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AwakenChurchLA.